I'm grateful for a place where we gather together and we can honor the Lord and worship Him, bow before Him, and recognize who He is, and that's what I want to do uh, today. 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse number 26. Just one verse right now, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 26. We'll read the verse, kind of say some things, and get back and uh, uh, pick it up put it in context but just the one verse right now <clears throat> second kings chapter 5 verse 26 and he said unto him went not mine heart with thee when the man of man turned again from his chariot to meet thee is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maid servants I'd like to take, take a look at that phrase, is it a time to receive? I wonder if I can get turned up just a little bit more. Is it a time to receive? Lord, thank you so much for this, your word. I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to us, that you'd uh, deal with each one of us here today. Lord, help us to understand. Help us to kind of put it in perspective of where we are, Lord, and, and what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be about and and uh, what is supposed to take our focus and our, our uh, attention and our aspiration. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand and ask ourselves that question, is it a time to receive? So Lord, I pray that you just bless, bless in this Thanksgiving season where we are grateful for the things that you've given us and the blessings that you've given us. Lord, help us to understand where we are in this uh, giving and receiving uh, transaction. Lord, we pray that you just bless today in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Here's a story, and we're just kind of pulling this verse out. It was a story of Naaman the Syrian getting cleansed. What a great story as far as a presentation of salvation. You know, here's a, a man that comes to the prophet. He's in Syria, and he hears of by this little maid that was taken captive, and uh, he's got leprosy and he was a mighty man of valor and and great accomplishments he was uh, on the higher up he was one of the muckety muck and uh, uh he hears from this little servant this little slave girl uh if you were in israel then my prophet could could uh, take care of you my prophet could heal you he's the man of god and he and he's got a connection with the lord and you'd have healing if you went to him well he's uh a, a leper and he's going to be ostracized from his community he's going to be having to go off to a leper colony by himself to die and there's no hope there and what a terrible death that he's looking at and uh, so uh, they uh, he goes to the king and the king there sends him with an entourage to the king of Israel not to the man of God but to the king looking for some kind of healing and, and uh, you know the whole story there where he was redirected and finally got to he finally got to Elisha, and so here he, he's healed after uh, he gives him the instruction of dipping seven times in the uh, Jordan River. After, after he does that, the Bible says that he arose uh, uh, from the water there the seventh time after dipping, and, he, and he's uh, cleansed. And so we pick it up in this story. Naaman healed, desired to pay then for his healing. He says he was so grateful. He's not going to have to die alone. He's, he's healed. God healed him. He saw the, the uh, supremacy of the Lord God, not these idols that they worship back home, but that uh, the God of Israel was indeed the one and true God. 
And so he desires to pay the, the uh, man of God for his healing. And of course, the prophet didn't want to mar the message of God by accepting one cent for that service. God is not a debtor to any, and he was uh, uh, getting across the truth that, you know, listen, this is, he didn't heal him, God healed him, and so, you know, he, he wasn't to pay him anything if he was to have an allegiance to God, that's one thing, but he wasn't going to be taking anything for that service of the healing. And so let's pick it up with verse number 15, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse number 15. So here, Naaman, he's packing it in, he's going to go back home. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. He's going to try to pay him here. But he said, As the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he, the prophet, refused. Then we see the failure of Gehazi as he concocts this deceitful plan. Gehazi is Elijah's um, servant. He's his, he's his uh, right-hand man. He's the guy that, that uh, takes care of him. He's the guy that uh, is the, uh, the gopher and the, the, the uh, servant, and he's the, the companion of the man of God. And he's hearing this whole thing, and so here's Naaman, and he's loaded. I mean, he is loaded. He's got some real treasure with him to give to the man of God, if indeed, indeed he would heal him, and he did. But uh, he didn't take anything, so he's going back home. And so he says, now wait a minute. If I play my cards right, I can go ahead and get in there and... Uh, uh, hook some of the uh, wealth that this man wants to give. I mean, after all, he was healed. He wants to give it. What harm would it be if I took it? And so, but the prophet already said he's not going to take a cent of it. He's not going to be paying for it at all. So uh, uh, here Naaman and his entourage is leaving. And then pick it up at verse number 19. Uh, what happened was he goes on and he says, um, well, let's read it, Second uh, Kings 5, 19. And he said unto him, Go in peace. So he departed from him a little way. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master hath spared Naaman the Syrian, and not receiving at his hands that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. So Elisha's not going to get anything, but I'll get it. So Gehazi followed after Naaman. And when Naaman saw him running after him, he lighted down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master hath sent me. Thou liar. Master didn't send him. What a liar. My master hath sent me, saying, Behold, even now there be come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophet. This whole thing is concocted. This whole thing is, is a lie. Out of whole cloth. Two young men of, of the sons of the prophets, they came. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. And Naaman said, Great, I could go ahead and, and I wanted to do this. And so he says, Be content, take two garments and laid them upon two of his servants, and they bare them before him. And when he came to the tower, this is when Gehazi came back home here, he, 
He comes back to his house here. He took them from their hand and bestowed them in the house. And he let the men go, and they departed. But he went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? In our vernacular, it's, hey, where you been? What's going on? Where you been? And he said, thy servant went no whither. <laughs> if you ever hear that from your te teenagers, you know, hey, where you been? Where'd you go? No whither. <laughs> I love that. I just love that. No whither. <laughs> I'm going to adopt that. Anyway, nowhere. I didn't go anywhere. And he said unto him, Went not my heart with thee when the man of God turned again from his chariot to meet thee? Is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and oliveyards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maidservants? The leprosy, therefore, of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence as a leper as white as snow. Goodness. Wow, what a story. Here, uh, the, the Syrian comes in, he's cleansed of his leprosy, and because of this dishonesty, this deceit, this lying and, and conniving, uh, the man of God says, Elijah says, okay, now you're going to have the leprosy that Naaman came with. Wow. So the question that he asks Gehazi in this situation is a question that we need to ask ourselves here Today, being that November is a stewardship month, we're, we're looking at how finances, how wealth, how possessions uh, relate to God's people, to where we are. So the question that we can ask ourselves is the same thing. Is it a time to receive? I like what he says. Is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and olivyards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maids? Is, is, it, is this the time to amass stuff? Junk, wealth, possessions, is this the time to receive? So we're looking at three simple statements about wealth, about possessions. And we're going to go through this quickly, just have these things to, to say, and then we'll, we'll be done. Number one, building wealth is advised. As a matter of fact, God tells us that we should. We should build wealth or gather things or possessions or whatever, um, but we got to be careful because uh, we we must understand what the Lord says and or how He He uh, uh, advises us to do this. Building wealth is advised, but be careful to build the right kind of wealth. The wealth that we're talking about, the possessions that here Gehazi, the the servant, went after was all the physical things, you know, things that he could uh, get his hands into, his, get his claws into. Um, and and uh, so the Lord says, yes, we're supposed to build wealth, but the right kind of wealth and for the right time. See, earthly possessions can twist and deform our hearts if we allow things to get a hold of us. Things shouldn't rule us. Possessing, possessions shouldn't rule us. We should rule over things or over our possessions. First Timothy chapter six, verse number nine. I used this verse last week. But they that will be rich 
fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Now, he's talking about those, not just rich people, not just wealthy people, but, but those who will be rich. I mean, this is their goal. This is their, uh, their, their uh, co complete desire and purpose in life is to get wealthy, is to get rich, is to, is to amass things. Those that will be rich, they're the ones who will find themselves hurt from those riches, drowning in destruction and perdition. It goes on in verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not money, folks. It's the love of. It's when money takes a place in our lives that is so much more than God ever intended. Things, possessions, wealth money to ever have. The love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. How pitiful it is to see people who win uh, but lose. You know what I mean? Uh, people who actually get things and they, they really, in, in, in the whole scope of things, they actually lose. Their wealth is their destruction. And they, as these folks, they, they find hurt and destruction and, and sorrow because of those things. Hurtful lusts. You've heard uh, of the stories of people that have won the lottery. Boy, I tell you what, that, you know, uh, advertisements about uh, the lotto or some kind of a lottery system in the different states, um, the, the advertisement system is, is just totally based upon greed. Man, if you had this or if you had that, what would you do with it? I remember an old black and white movie with uh, W.C. Fields and some of the others. It was, it was entitled, If I Had a Million. And it was uh, um, this guy that was dying. He was a multimillionaire, and he wanted to give away all of his riches. He didn't want any of his family to have any of his money. And so he just took an eyedropper on a phone book and, and, and uh, put a drop down, and wherever it fell, that's the person that would get a million dollars. And he did this several times. And that was what the movie was all about. It was very interesting, you know, if I had a million. And back then, a million was a million. <laughs> and it was, it was really interesting to see these people that were, you know, whatever, and, and then they would get, you know what, when, when you see that nowadays, and all it takes is a little bit of uh, investigation of these that actually uh, get, you know, they, they've got some winning ticket, and they all of a sudden, from paupers to wealthy, they're ruined, many of them, destroyed. Riches destroy them. And so <clears throat> that's what you know, the, the Bible warns us of here. God warns us of the love of money is the root of all evil. There is a right way to obtain wealth and gain. It's by hard work, by labor. Ecclesiastes 5, verse number 12, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much. But the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. So here he says, now wait a minute. If, if you have riches ruling you, then it's going to destroy you. It's going to bring you down. But it, it does say in that verse, the, a laboring man enjoys some things. And so that's the way that God made it. It's not, you know, it's not a curse. You know, some people say it was a, a curse from the garden that man is... Uh, laboring. No, no, no. God had Adam before the fall to be tending the garden. He had a job and he had labor to do. It was after the fall he would be laboring by the sweat of his brow. 
where it would be difficult. But God gave him a job. Well, it's a wonderful thing to, to, to be productive, to, to have a job, to do something. I, I'm grateful to have a spot in the sun to be able to, to do something, do something with my hands, my mind, my life, and, uh, and, and uh, 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 earn reward. And, so, and that's what God says. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet. Uh, in uh, Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 11, you got to be careful, though, folks, to gain wealth or possessions or money or, or uh, things by divine rules. In Proverbs 13, 11, the Bible says, Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. This says, now, if you work right and you, you work and you get things, that's good. That's of God and God blesses that. Uh, if you gather by labor, then your things, your wealth will increase. But if you get wealth by vanity or uh, uh, cutting the corners or by dishonesty or by uh, scheming or by cheating and that kind of thing, uh, wealth gotten that way shall be diminished. See, but dishonest gain is always condemned. Proverbs 28, verse number 20, A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. You've heard of get-rich-quick schemes. This is, this is what the Bible says about get-rich-quick schemes. He that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. This implies dishonest gain, or gain that has swindled or taken advantage of the innocent. It's okay to grow wealth quickly, but because of greed, men are tempted to get rich quick by schemes that many times are not altogether honest. And that's what it's talking about there. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Proverbs 28, 22. He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye and considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. Of course, we know, living in the world in which we live, we have a long history of cruel, dishonest men who cheat and steal and oppress others to get ahead. These rich men are condemned, as in James chapter 5, verse number 4, talks about the rich man there, and you read the whole context later, but there it says, Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud. They're crying. Hey, he says, you know, there's, there's those who get wealth by cheating others or by swindling others, and that's not right, and they're going to be judged, and, and, but a person can get wealth in the wrong way. <clears throat> if we're not careful, we'll attribute this world's riches more value than they should ever have in our lives. Luke chapter 12, verse number 15, and he, Jesus, said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, now, he's not, he's not saying be, beware of wealth or gain or things or possessions. He's not saying that. He's say, saying beware of covetousness. And that is wanting those things, loving those things, going after those things, making, making things to be what your goal is. And so Jesus says here, take heed, beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. What a great verse. What a great truth. We need to remind ourselves all the time of that. Beware, Jesus said. Be careful. Hey, be on guard against that. For a man's life doesn't consist of everything that he has. 
So you have things, and, and sometimes that's what we go by, the one that dies with the most toys wins. No, the one that dies with the most toys dies and leaves it all. Everybody dies and leaves it all. A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things. Well, then why is that my entire existence? My goal is to amass things. Jesus said, be careful. You're going to be deceived if you're looking at it that way. See, there's, there's a, a place for wealth. And by the way, the Bible talks about many rich men that were, that were spiritual, that were godly men. Abraham was, was a, a very wealthy man. Jacob was wealthy. A lot of that stuff he didn't get just exactly right. But, uh, you know, in his life, he, the Lord uh, uh, used him in, in many ways. Uh, Job was the richest man of the East. He was a man of integrity. You know, just because a person has wealth doesn't mean that they're wicked. But it's how much of that wealth that you, you desire, you, you make it to be what it should not become. And that's where Jesus, Jesus' warning, a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. But then we're taught to build wealth, actually, in a different way. Like I say, uh, building wealth is actually advised by God many, many times. But it's not the kind of wealth that you think or that, you know, the worldly wealth. It's in a different way and for a different dimension. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 11. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice. And be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. He says, you have a reward in heaven. Now, now that's building wealth for something that you don't see here. <coughs> something that's not going to be uh, destroyed or, or uh, you know, lost or stolen or whatever. Broken. I remember as a kid watching... Uh, the game shows. Now, when I was a kid, it, it was like, went from black and white TVs to color. I remember that. I remember uh, The Wizard of Oz, the first uh, movie that was black and white, the first part of it, and then when they went into the land of Oz, it was color. You remember that? You know, and, was, and they used that, you know, as, and I remember. But I remember those black and white game shows. And I don't remember who, it was Monty... Hall, Monty Hall. I was going to say Monty Python. No, no. Monty Hall was the, the guy that was the game show, you know, do you want door number one or door number two? And, and so they would pick door number three, door number three. Then they move it and it would be a goat, you know. And they go, meh, 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 meh. And they go, oh, sorry, bye, you know. And then, or every once in a while, uh, I went behind that curtain. And they, you know, roll the curtain back. And it's a new car. And they go, I mean, they would rejoice. They would have a conniption right there. Hey, you know what Jesus says? You serve me and you gain rewards in heaven. Rejoice. Yeah. Something happened bad to, uh, to you for Christ. <laughs> I got reward in heaven. Except it's not going to get old and rust away. and You're not going to get in the wreck. But you're 
celestial chariot. <laughs> Whatever that means. But it says reward in heaven. It says you got a reward in heaven. That's what Jesus said. Multiple times we're informed that there is a heavenly payday. And that will be significant, folks. Valued. It's going to be eternal. Not temporary. In Matthew chapter 6, verse number 20, Jesus said, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He wasn't playing around, and he's, this is not just, a, you know, uh, 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 saying some dark things that are not, you know, it doesn't really mean what it says. No, no. Jesus said, treasures in heaven. And you can lay them up today, now, right now, in your lifetime. You can take uh, uh, physical treasures and turn them in for eternal or for heavenly treasures. That's what he says. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth, moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. How about that? Things that don't... There's one... There's, I bought one brand new car in my life. I'm the kind of guy that, you know, buys the cars that are 10, 20 years old and they're fine for me as long as they roll down the, the, the street or maybe down a hill. But anyway, that's kind of... I, one time, one time in my life, I bought a brand new van. I mean, it had the new, the new car smell, you know. You get in there and the new car smell. You know, you got new car smell, you can in an old, old beater. <laughs> and it smells like an old car with a new car smell in it. Anyway, um, and I remember that. I was, so, I was so careful about that, you know. You Make sure you don't be bumping that door, you know. Take care of it. I'm so, so careful. And I remember one, one time I was leaving church, going home, and I don't know, maybe four or five miles behind a garbage truck. And the garbage truck is is going slow. And, you know, if those of you that know how I drive, I'm kind of a little bit impatient, you know. And they're right behind them, trying to get around them. And, and, you know, what in the world, you know. And I got this stuff in them. I got my windshield wipers going. And I got home, and I don't know what it was, that it was all over the front of my car, but it ate the paint off of my new van. And then, you know how I you know, my attitude toward my new van is a like, stupid van, you know. <laughs> and then it didn't matter, you know, the ding here and the ding. And you know what? Hey, they all do that. Yeah, they don't stay in there, do they? You know, but what Jesus said, you can lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust doesn't corrupt. Thieves don't break through and steal. Celestial chariots always have that new celestial chariot smell. <laughs> <laughs> Luke chapter 12, look at what Jesus said here. Luke chapter 12, verse 33. Sell that you have and give alms. Provide for yourselves bags which wax not old. And uh, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. We can actually save up, store up treasure in heaven. It doesn't fail. First Peter chapter 1, 4, I love this. Talking about us who are saved, it says to an inheritance incorruptible that means it, there's there's nothing wrong with it you don't have to send it back to the manufacturer it's incorruptible <coughs> an inheritance incorruptible undefiled i mean there's nothing wrong in any of that of, of anything in heaven and we're talking about a residence in heaven our treasure in heaven uh, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away 
reserved in heaven for you. I have a mansion. Jesus promised it. He says he's building mansions, places for us to stay in heaven, and my mansion has my name on it, reserved for rich Farinella. You're all invited for the first thousand years, but that's my mansion, it's, uh, and, it's, and it's reserved in heaven for me. Wow, that is, that's cool. We're, see, folks, we're encouraged to build wealth, but we got to understand of the, in the right dimension, in the right, you know, it's not like, you know, well, I just serve God because I just serve God. Well, the Lord says he has things for us, treasures. And so it's not wrong to, to understand that and to, and to uh, labor for things in heaven. Okay, so number one, building wealth is advice. Number two, got to recognize, folks, there's two paydays. And they're totally different. You know, uh, some get paid, let's say you work a job, you get paid every week. Some get paid bi-weekly, some get paid monthly. Some work and don't get paid at all. <laughs> my, my wife, which is not here right now, I could, I could talk about that. You know, so, and, and unless she listens to this message, then she won't know. But uh, um, uh, she works more than I do and doesn't get paid. So... I was so smart to get married to her anyway. <laughs> but, you know, everybody gets paid in different ways. And, and I'm talking about the payday that's not here on earth. you got to recognize there's two paydays. You remember our story, Gehazi? He, uh, he kind of got mixed up. He was serving the Lord. They were in the ministry. He was serving the Lord. And, you know, it was, it was God's will that that guy didn't have... Uh, didn't pay for the miracle. God was going to just do this for him, and it's not something you pay for. It would have marred the the uh, the blessing of God. But nonetheless, he got he got mixed up, and he thought to himself, "Well, hey, hang on, he's got all of this stuff, and you know he wants to offer it, and and you know maybe Elisha doesn't want it, but I'll get it." And so he thought, "Okay, I I want to get some things. I want to have something," uh, and so he got kind of got mixed up on the paydays. 2 Kings 5.26, you remember what Elisha said. Is it a time? Gehazi, wait a minute. What are you working for? Are you working for here and now, or are you working for eternity? Is this a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and so on? Wrong payday, Gehazi. Wrong payday. You're working for the wrong thing. you got to understand there's two different paydays. See, the Lord cues us in that the heavenly payday, it's real, folks. It's lasting. It's significant. Much more than what you get in a piece of paper from your employer today. No, no. Much more than that. He says, uh, you've served few, you'll get rewarded many. You, you served little, you'll, re you'll receive much. That's what he said. Matthew chapter 25, verse 23, his Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He says, listen, you serve God here and you're faithful for what God has given you. You're, you're going to be loyal. You're going to be right. You're going to be... In <coughs> <coughs> have integrity over the things of God here, you'll be rewarded, and it's going to be much more than what you did. But see, folks, you pick which payday you actually want. Because you could work for here and now, or you could work for later on in the by and by, now or then. 
you pick which payday. Matthew chapter 6, verse 2. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, Jesus said, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. Oh, they got their payday. See, whatever they were doing, they were doing it to look good in front of others. What? Now watch me give in the offering. I don't even have a, a bill here. But anyway, if, they, if I had a bill, I'd, I'd you know, and they take that $100 bill, they wave it around, and they throw it in there, and he says, it's for the Lord, and everybody's watching them. And you know what? Jesus said, Jesus said you're, not, you're not saving up anything for, for heaven. You already got your reward. You're a hypocrite. That's what you were working for. So what, what, what he said there was, was uh, in Matthew 6, verse number 2, when thou doest thine alms, don't do this and that. You have your reward. Luke 6, 24, he says it again. Woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. You see, folks, you get to, you get to serve, you get to uh, uh, amass wealth or you know, uh, treasure, possession, uh, uh, things, for either here or now or for later on in the by and by. But you can, you, can, sir, you can live your life right here, right now, for number one, you. And you'll have received your consolation. Now, folks, if that is all that you have and what you put your trust in, then you're going to lose big time, big time. You remember the guy that Jesus talked about, the rich man. We don't even have his name in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, verse 25, he went to hell, and, and here was the, was the uh, advice. He says, Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Sure, if that's, if that's what you want to go for, just right here, right now, you've got the closest to heaven you will ever get. That's a pretty weak heaven. You know what, though? Uh, for, for those of us who are saved and are looking forward to the streets of, of gold and in glory and living throughout eternity with the Lord, and you're, you're saving up uh, for treasures in heaven, uh, now that's, that's, a, that's eternal. That's, that's wonderful. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 5, And when thou prayest, Jesus said, Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogue and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Oh, dear God, I thank thee for this and that. I think I'm so spiritual. And everybody else is listening to him. And wow, that's a really spiritual. And you know what Jesus said? You get nothing in heaven. You got it right here, right now for you're, you're, you're living for recognition for something right here, right now. There's two different paydays. You can have it here right now, or you can have it in eternity. Matthew 6, verse number 16. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. I don't even want to talk about fasting this week. <laughs> I mean, it's just so out of place. It is so out of place. Let's just skip it. But if you're going to fast and look like, oh, I'm doing it for the Lord, I'm just not eating today, you know, then you have your reward. You're not getting anything spiritual accomplished out of that. They have their reward. That's it. That's it? Yeah, that's it. It's done. It's, it's gone. For eternity, destitute, barren. You're not getting it. There's, folks, there's two paydays. One's here and now, or one is later. 
<clears throat> now, this is, I, everything was said for this one point. Choose one of them. You, choose one payday. Choose one fulfillment. Choose one reward. You remember in 2 Kings 5.26, where Elisha said, is it a time to receive... Gehazi, is this the time? Are you choosing here, right here, right now? Is it a time? See, the thing about of, of, of these two different paydays, you can't have both. You got to choose one or the other. You can't have both of them. Hey, just as a transaction is made, the spiritual choice of choosing the right payday must be made. You know, any big, any large... Um, um, purchase that I've ever made, whether it be a house or a car or a suit, you know, a, a suit is nowadays, um, I got this at the men's warehouse, and it's really expensive suits, I got this, a, I don't know, a year or two ago, the last suit I just got was $5 <laughs> at Value Village, <laughs> I don't tell you when I'm wearing those suits, because they look the same, by the way, but anyway, um, <clears throat> Last time I was there at Value Village, you know, and they, they, you know, now, you know, they, I used to be pretty, pretty good. Now they measure me up and they go, <laughs> and then they bring one out and they don't say old fat man suit. They say, this is an executive cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll take that one. Anyway, a suit is 300 bucks, 400, you can, you can pay five, $600 for a suit. Any, anytime there's a large transaction, whether it be a large appliance in your, in your house or maybe a car or something like that, um, there's, there's a process that goes in that. There's an investigation. You know, you look at that appliance or that car and you see if it, if it is what you need because you're spending a lot of money. So you don't want to just go out and flippantly, you know, lay some money. You could go ahead and, and buy an ice cream or something like that and not even think about it. But not, not a car or not a house or, or what. If it's a large purchase, there's an investigation. You got to discover what is that thing worth and you got to kind of weigh it out to determine uh, on what you're going to give up for this purchase. Because you know, if you're going to buy this refrigerator, that means you're going to have to uh, give up going out to eat for the next, you know, seven months or whatever, uh, however that, that works. And then there's the deal, the, the signing, the agreement. And, and that's what you determine that you want to put your, your stock in, your value in. Folks, this is, has happened to me over and over and over again in my life. I remember when I got saved. I came to the Lord with broken junk, and I wasn't doing it. And I was living a dangerous lifestyle, and, and, and I, I, I would probably, folks, I would not be here before you today if I didn't get saved. I'd have been dead. I'd have been dead a long time ago. I had friends that OD'd, and, and it was a mess. I was a mess. I was a mess, and I couldn't do it. I tried, to, I tried to be right. I couldn't be right. I tried to become a Christian, and I couldn't do it. And when I came to my life and I had nothing, I had this junk and I had what God, I saw what God had for me and I said, Lord, this is all I have. I'm just broken. I need what you have. I did the investigation. I, I did the discovery and I, I said, you know what, that's, that's better than what I got. And I signed on the dotted line. I said, Lord, I want to be yours. I want you to save me. And he did. Folks, he did. 
He took my junk and he gave me spiritual life. Can't believe that he did that. He, he like the song, he applied the grace to me. That was wonderful. I, I gave him my rebellious, sinful life and he gave me his eternal life. Wow. I remember early on when I began to walk with the Lord, I, I loved the Lord. I, I loved the Lord with all my heart. My, the first job that I got, 16 years old, I got a, a job at Skyline Pharmacy, which was just down the street from my house in Chicago. <clears throat> and I was a brand new Christian, and they sold, they sold pornography. And I, I, I told the boss, I said, listen, I want to get this job, but I'm a Christian, and I, I don't want to sell pornography. I, I, you know, I'll work the cash register and whatever, but if someone comes wanting to purchase pornography, I don't want anything to do. I don't want to put my hands on that. I want to look at it. I, mean, I just avoid it. And, and he, he says, okay, well, we'll just have somebody else come to the register if, you know, you're doing that. And so uh, my, my main job was to take uh, prescriptions and deliver them in the, in the area. People couldn't, you know, get to the to the pharmacy, and so they needed a delivery uh, boy, and so I was that, that person. But you know, when I was in the store, I would sometimes run the cash register, and someone would come, and they'd lay some pornography on the, on the desk. Call Greg, bring Greg here, we need somebody. <laughs> you know, a lot of attention to it, and oh, that happened once or twice, and they said, forget it, don't, don't do the cash register. So I, I didn't do that anymore. But in, in the back room, there was, uh, there was bins, I mean, bins and bins of pornography that they would take and, and restock the shelves and whatever. And that was in a place where it was just nobody was there. Just me and the pornography. And I'd go there trying to get some, you know, bottles or something or whatever, and there's that, all that stuff laying there. And I realized, you know what? If, I, if I'm going to be pure, if I'm going to serve the Lord, I can't do that. I can't do that. And so I, I, had, to, I had to come to a... Um, a decision at that time. Do I want this or do I want this? And I said, Lord, I'm going to have a struggle here. So I, I, what I did with that, I wrote a Bible verse. First um, Corinthians 10, 13, and if not, um, oh, somebody's helped me start it up. Start it for me. There, yeah, thank you. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. I still know it to, to this day. That's a long Bible verse for one of the first verse to, to memorize. But I put that on a, on a, a cardboard uh, frame and I put it right there over the pornography. <laughs> what is Rich doing back there, you know? <laughs> so every time I come by and look at that verse, I quote it, that hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. And you know, folks, what, what happened was I, I, I had a, a choice to make. There's two paydays. You either get what God has for you or you can get whatever it is that this world has for you now. And I said, God, I'm signing on the dotted line. I want, I want that. I wanted his smile more than other things. I remember first beginning to live for the Lord. I was, I was, I lost friends. The same friends that I would get high with and carouse around with, I, I lost them for living for the Lord and for trying to witness to them. And yeah, I gained better friends. I sure did. But, man, it cost. It cost me. 
I remember at that church when, where I, my home church in Chicago, first got saved, I came down to an altar like this, and I didn't know, I didn't know anything. I didn't know the future. I just knew that God was saying, who shall I send? Who shall go for me? And Isaiah said, here am I. Lord, you want to pick me? And so that's what I did. I said, God, I, I want to, I know there's two paydays. One in the future that I hadn't gotten yet or now, and I had to choose. I kind of did the discovery and I investigated and saw the value of it. And then, okay, what am I going to have to give up for this? What am I going to have to forego so I could, so I could get that? And I said, Lord, I, I want that. Uh, and and I, I, I made that transaction back then. I said, Lord, I, I want to I give my life to you. And I said, Lord, whatever it is, you want me to be a janitor? You want me to be a, a, a school teacher? You want me to be a missionary? I don't care, Lord, whatever it is, I want to do for you. I signed the papers. And folks, I signed the papers many times thereafter. I remember at Bible college when I was just starting to, to learn about total dedication and what that meant and rubbing shoulders with missionaries that go out into uh, in far corners of the earth. And, and I was like, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I don't know what you want me to do. But I remember one time I was, after hours, I was in the stairwell at uh, BBC in Springfield, Missouri, and I I sat down there on the stairs and I said, Lord, learning a lot of Bible knowledge, but you know what I need right now? I need to rededicate. I need to give you my life. I need to remember what I'm here for. And Lord, I want to do it for you. And I signed the papers again. 2003 came along where I lost my, my wife and that was tough. And those of you that have been here through that thing, you understand, you know. And I remember after that, I love this church, I love this place so much, but I thought, I don't know, maybe God wants me to be a missionary. And so I was, I was honest with the Lord, and I said, Lord, this is, a, this is a good change in time. If you want, change my direction. I went to uh, Romania to be with Brother Gary Matheny for a while, and I, I went through uh, Rome and Sicily and, and visited a uh, place where my, my folks grew up. I said, Lord, do you want me to be a missionary? I could, I could do that there now. You want me to do that? And you know what? I signed on the dotted line again. See, because I know, I know there's two paydays. One coming or whatever I want here right now, you know, my will. And I said, Lord, I want your will because I understand I got to choose one. I got to choose one. And, and the Lord allowed me to stay here, and I thank the Lord for that. I really do. I, I just love this place. Uh, same thing happened for meeting Diana. Ha, oh, man. I said, Lord, I want what you have for me. You know what the Lord said in Mark chapter 10, verse 29? Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, yeah, that comes along with it, and then the world to come, eternal life. But many that are first shall be last and the last first. And he said here, he said, you can't outgive God. I'm going to say that's the truth. 
That's the truth. But it takes, folks, you have to choose one. It's two different paydays, you have to choose one. I, I, I told this to uh, the, the uh, men that just went to the retreat. We're gonna be hearing tonight from some of the guys from the retreat, but uh, they were <clears throat> just, humor me, okay, because you heard this, but it was when we're gonna, next week is our 34th anniversary, Wooden Valley Baptist Church, 34 years since the Lord blessed, we started the church, and God's blessed over the years, and we're looking forward to that. But f uh, four years ago, when we had our 30th, we had a 30th anniversary, and the, the, the people here at this church sent their pastor on a sabbatical. I was gone for two months, three months. I was gone. They said, here, we want you to go. And so the first leg of the sabbatical, they sent me to the Isle of Man. Um, how many know about the Isle of Man? The, the motorcycle races there. It's, cool. it's crazy. It's wonderful. It's it should be banned, but anyway, it's it's cool. Uh, you guys that are you know they go 185 miles around this 37 mile island and and uh, it was just it's just the neatest. I, you know, since I, I ride the motorcycle, and I, you know, I thought about that and whatever. Somebody got wind and they said, "Hey, pastor, you probably want to do this." And I, yeah. And so anyway, they they sent me out there to go. Uh, to uh, that, those races uh, on the Isle of Man. That's a little island between England and Ireland. And uh, so they, they arranged all the details and they, they got all the th things ready for that. They also uh, had my best friend, Gary Matheny. He's pastoring in Romania. He's a, a missionary to Romania. He met me there. It only took, I don't know, $70, $79 flight from Romania to uh, the Ireland and met me in, in Dublin and we took the ferry over to the Isle of Man. And it's, it's the craziest thing. This one little island has got the, about 10,000 people in this island. There's 20,000 that week because of all the, the, the people that come in that week. It's just it's crazy. It's really cool. Anyway, there's, and everybody's a motorcycle nut. You know, everybody from Europe and whatever, they're coming with their motorcycles and with the full leather gear and helmets and everything else. And so the, the, the ferry, the only way you can get there is a ferry from Dublin or from uh, England. Well, we left from Dublin to, to uh, catch that ferry over about a six hour ride or whatever onto the Isle of Man. There were some 800, I don't know, seven, 800, 900 motorcycle nuts on that, on that, that ride. It was, it was like all night long. And you know, you get there in the morning sometime. And, and so I remember uh, getting on there, me and Gary, we met there, we got on there. And there was, there, it was so packed, there was not a seat for every man on the, on the, the ferry. And so, and it was a big ferry, was, um, but there was, there's just miles of motorcycle guys you know, with their helmets and their gear and everything else. And, and I'm sitting there on this, these seats here, and I got, you know how you got no elbow room? <laughs> I got my elbows in like this, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and, and we're just packed, and we were just lucky to get a seat. And uh, some people are, are standing, and some people are on the floor. Uh, Gary didn't get a seat. Actually, he was sitting, he was sitting on the floor um, kind of like this. He was, he was sitting, and in, in front of him was a wall so he could stretch out his, his legs like that. And he was sitting on the floor like that. And, uh, but we had a spot, you know. And uh, so anyway, here we are. I'm just miserable, you know, on this thing. And we're, we're, we're going on this, this six-hour ride. And I hear, uh, Richard Farinella, come to the... I go, wait, 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 that was my name. So I went to go uh, note what it was. And, and they said, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, you were calling you to the stateroom or whatever. It's the royal room. 
I don't know, I, what is that? So I, I go over there, and it was this large place with couches and tables and hors d'oeuvres and people serving and big window and, you know, just a few people in there. And, and I'm going, and they said, yeah, you and Gary Matheny are, have been paid for. By the way, thank you, Matt. He was the guy that, that arranged for all that. I didn't know that. Anyway, so here I, I got this, this room to, to spread out and had hors d'oeuvres and all you can drink. Of course, we didn't drink anything. I mean, but anyway, because... <laughs> We, I did preach on that a few weeks ago, but anyway, so, and, and so here we go, we're, we're in this room, and we're going, no kidding, I'm, I gotta go get Gary, so I went out to go get Gary, and I said, hey, Gary, come on, come with me, I want to show you something, and he, he, he's sitting there on the, on the floor, and he says, I ain't, I'm not moving, and, and I said, what do you mean you're not moving, and he says, if I get up, somebody else is gonna sit here, at least I could stretch my legs out, and, and I said, Gary, don't worry about, come on. And there's people everywhere. He says, no, I'm not going. I said, Gary, come on, let's go. And I'm pulling him. You got to come with just, he says, why? If I, if I get up, I'm going to lose my spot. <laughs> I said, lose your stupid spot. Let's go. And I brought him in there and we, and we couldn't believe it. It was like, whoa. <laughs> what I wanted to bring out is he had to leave his spot to go to the royal room. And you know what? He thought what he had was better than what I was going to show him. It wasn't. You know what? The Lord has better for you than you think that you have for yourself. Much, much better. But you have to choose. You can't have both. There's a, a payday someday, but then you could have something right here, right now. Go ahead and have that if you want. I'm going to the royal room. <laughs> <laughs> really, folks, you have, to, you have to give up what you have to get what the Lord has. You've got to give up one for the other. You can't have both. And here the man of God says, is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and oliveyards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maidservants? <laughs> no. It's the wrong payday. It's the wrong payday. Go for God's payday. Every head bowed, nobody looking for just a moment.